Hello, and welcome back to the fifth episode of Perspectives, a podcast where we explore geopolitical perspectives on today's challenges. In this episode, we will talk about the current conflicts in Ethiopia. The Ethiopian central government has been at war with Tigrayan forces for about 13 months. Tigray is a region in the north of Ethiopia whose main group, the Tigrayans, make up about 6% of Ethiopia's population. This war has not only destabilized Ethiopia, it has also created a humanitarian crisis. To discuss the emergence and the geopolitical implications of this conflict is Professor Gjetil Tronvel, Director of Oslo Analytica and Professor and Research Director of Peace and Conflict Studies at the Oslo New University College. Here's the conversation that he and I had. Mr. Tronvel, thank you very much for joining us. I'll get started. So how would you define the conflict in Ethiopia between the government and rebel forces? Who are the belligerents and what is at stake? Well, first of all, this is not just one conflict. There are several overlapping wars taking place at the same time, uh, which also involves different belligerent parties. Um, And there are different objectives also with these overlapping conflicts. The main dimension, to use that term, is between the federal government of Ethiopia and the regional government of Tigray. And that's a conflict which harks back decades or maybe even longer uh, in the sense that uh, also reflecting other conflict lines in Ethiopia, for instance, between the Oromo Liberation Army and the federal government. The issue of how strong authority should the central government of Ethiopia have over regional affairs. And Ethiopia is currently a federal arrangement, a federal state, where it is a full political autonomy at the regional state level. And that's because of, you know, the wars of the 70s and 80s, which created that constitutional framework, a constitution which more or less it was a peace agreement at that time to pacify the tensions between the regions versus the center. Um, and when Abiy came to power, uh, soon after he took the premiership, he started to express an interest to re-centralize power to Addis at cost of the regional states. Hence, that sparked resistance from several states in Ethiopia, but particularly so from Tigray. So that's the main dynamics. But in addition to that, you have a very key war between Amhara and Tigray, which is a territorial war. That Amhara regional state, state and Amhara political elites they lay claim to Western Tigray, Segeda and Volkite, as they're called, and, and, and believe that those territories belong to Amhara administration, to use that term. And um, so when they entered the war very early, they prepared for the war for a long time. We know that because Amhara officials have said it, that this okay. territorial war we prepared for. Uh, uh, and uh, we want to reclaim those territories. Um, and they have managed to do that. They are now formally annexed by Amhara regional state. And then you have a third war, which is the Eritrea-Tigray war, which is based on um, President Isai Sofwerki of Eritrea having a revengeful uh, um, access to grain with the Tigrayan leadership and the Tigrayan people because he lost the 1998-2000 war, for instance. And he looks upon the TPLF 
the main political party in Tigray as the main enemy of Eritrea. Right. So these are the three main wars taking place at the same time mm-hmm. with, with, with different belligerent actors, yeah? different adversaries. Okay. Uh, the yeah. federal forces, the Amhara regional forces, and the Eritrean defense forces, in addition to um, militia forces from other regional states, in addition to irregular militia, particularly the irregular Fano Amhara militia, which is a, which is a key uh, belligerent attitude. This creates a lot of, you know, a very confusing and complex war theater. And um, many of the, what can I say, journalists or diplomats or observers to this conflict don't really distinguish between the different wars and the different belligerent actors and, and the different objectives of these different wars. For instance, the peace initiatives from the various envoys evolved in this, they they think this is one war and one peace process, which is false. You need several peace processes to settle this issue. So uh, in this kind of overlaying of wars, would you say that civilians are in, in large part the target? Are these wars of, of retribution um, or just a continuation of politics by other means? The wars are both. There's certainly also war of uh, retribution where the civilians are explicitly targeted. Um, we see that, particularly from the Eritrean involvement from very early on, that uh, the Eritrean troops, they had orders, it appears, okay. to attack and destroy and loot civilian infrastructure, civilian properties, uh, medical facilities, university schools, water wells, uh, electric electricity, power stations, and so on and so forth. Um, and uh, the, this, the principle of distinction under international humanitarian law was deliberately <laughs> breached. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, the, that, that civilians, individuals, and collectives, and properties were targeted. This is particularly relevant to the Eritrean involvement, but we also see that from the Amhara regional forces and Amhara Fano militia, the destructions and the looting of civilian properties uh, from areas in Tigray they controlled. Uh, so sadly, yes, the civilians have have been a target here, and um, for for then a set of uh, objectives. But you also, of course, the war is also political. Uh, by our politics, by all the means, as you phrase it. Right. So on the topic of Eritrea, why has Eritrea entered the conflict in support of Abiy's forces? What geopolitical advantages do they see in intervention? Well, as I said, it is a, it is a revengeful war, uh, a right. personalized war, you can say, between Isaias of Werki and the, and the TPLF leadership. Um I have written and published on the reason why Isaias N accepted the peace offer by Abi Ahmed in 2018. I think from from day one, it is quite clear, and we, and we do have empirical evidence for that, that Isaias's motivation was a motivation of revenge, not of peace. Okay. And he explicitly said it the day the day he accepted the peace offer, 20th of June 2018, he called out game over TPLF. Um, Abi Ahmed invited Isaias of Werke to a peace agreement um, to get help, so to say, 
to marginalize TPLF from power in Addis. Fair enough. It, okay. you know, it was a political dispute. Um, I don't necessarily believe that Abi Ahmed at the very first of the peace process uh, or the peace rapprochement, that he that he uh, wanted to use Eritrean forces militarily against Tigray, which is later evolved into. But very soon thereafter, when Abi Ahmed started to cleanse out Tigrayan officials in Addis Ababa from military positions, from civilian positions, from political positions, from economic positions, you saw also that Abi Ahmed started to change his rhetoric against Tigrayans. Uh, the infamous expression daytime hyenas, for instance, were used uh, summer 2018 after the peace rapprochement. So it is a, it is a combination of, um, of interests uh, which pulled Eritrea into the war, uh, both interests held by Abiy Ahmed and the new government in others, but certainly interests held by Asmara and Isai Zawerki personally, to, to once and for all get rid of the nuisance of, of the TPLF and the Tigrayan leadership. From Isai's viewpoint, even to kill off the Tigrayan people, as it is a genocidal war he waged. Um, it certainly implicates, you know, that it, it, it creates a new dynamic in the geopolitical theater of the Horn of Africa, yes. So because of inner dismay in Ethiopia and kind of other countries participating in this war, as we just talked about uh, Eritrea, does this conflict make regional stability even more precarious? Could it and has it affected neighboring countries or conflicts like in the Somali civil war where Abiy's government removed some peacekeeping forces? It certainly has regional ramifications um, and further on too, and uh, they are still in involvement and they will continue to involve and to destabilize the region of Horn of Africa, probably in years to come, as it started by this war. Um, the immediate effect uh, is um, Sudan, Ethiopia. Uh, and the most precarious situation is between Sudan and Ethiopia. Well, uh, certainly the Al-Fashka uh, triangle, uh, the borders up north, uh, west in Ethiopia, Tigray, Amhara versus Sudan, where you do have a territorial dispute ongoing as we speak. It flared up again last week with clashes between Sudanese army and uh, Amhara Ethiopian army forces with uh, dozens of dead. Um, that um, that uh, border conflict links also to the issue of the Gerd Dam, the Blue Nile Dam, where Sudan, Egypt uh, uh, resists Ethiopia's, uh, in my view, legitimate right to, to harness the potential of the Blue Nile. Um, this will, uh, you know, in, in the sense, in the um, axiom of, uh, you know, my... Uh, Enemy's enemy is my friend. This this creates new alliances, uh, as we see. The impact of Ethiopia pulling out uh, UN troops, as you allude to, when it comes to Somalia, and also right. own troops in Somalia, will. Uh, further destabilize Somalia will make it easy for Al-Shabaab. It has made it easy for Al-Shabaab to take new territorial gains there. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that Ethiopia is uh, security-wise concentrating on fighting TDF and ULA and other opposition groups makes them vulnerable for Al-Shabaab um, incursions uh, into their own territory. Um, it impacts uh, South Sudan too, obviously. And then you have the broader uh, geopolitical sphere where you see how uh, United Arab Emirates uh, and Saudi involvement, Turkish involvement, Iran involvement with the uh, 
arms arms supplies to mm-hmm. the federal government, uh, China, how they are positioning themselves, and also U.S. So again, Ethiopia and the Horn of Africa has become a geopolitical playground, as we saw in right. the 1970s and 80s, which will just further destabilize Ethiopia and the region in, in years to come. Very sad to observe. Right. So you just mentioned the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam. Would you say that these conflicts... Uh, put Ethiopia in a weaker position uh, towards Egypt? Um, It's, um, it will, you know, it has potential both to weaken and to strengthen Ethiopia because obviously the Gerd Dam is a a national symbol for all Ethiopia. It was started by Melis Senavi, the TPLF leader and the former prime minister of Ethiopia. It was his kind of grand project. Again, to to bring Ethiopia together and to make Ethiopia a strong economic uh, power yeah. in the region. Uh, so the Gerdan belongs to all Ethiopians, uh, principally, <laughs> uh, maybe not so today. So it is a national symbol and it's uh, easy to rally support behind the the policy of the GERD, the policy of hydro, hydroelectric power, so to say, in uh, in Ethiopia. Um, but it certainly also has strengthened the Cairo-Khartoum alliance mm-hmm. uh, and emboldened Sudan to take a stronger stand against Ethiopia on the Al-Fashka Triangle too, because Sudan knows they have Cairo's backing. Uh, and and help if need be, so it it um, and that that shouldn't be taken too lightly by Addis Ababa because Egypt is um, is the big key military actor in this area of the world, and if they decide on really putting their forces behind Sudan, um, right. that might be a challenge for Addis. Okay, and. I guess the U.S.'s position is is very uh, ambiguous today, mm-hmm. and it's called what some uh, Amhara militias are doing in Tigray, an ethnic cleansing campaign. Mm-hmm. So what can the U.S. do and what can other non-regional powers do in this conflict if they back one side or the other? Is involvement the only the only way they can act? Yeah, certainly U.S. position is ambiguous. And I don't know if it is what the the diplomat calls constructive ambiguity, that it is a conscious made ambiguity in order to be able to maneuver, or if it is ambiguous by default because they really don't know what's happening. (laughs) Uh, That's open to interpretation. And as usual, the U.S. policies are divided between State House, Pentagon, Washington, uh, the White House, uh, and possibly one or two other actors, uh, and they have different interests and different objectives. Uh, we saw early on that uh, Secretary Blinken came out very hard on uh, Abiy Ahmed and calling it, as you say, ethnic cleansing, what's happened in West Tigray early right. on in the war. Um, but the most recent statements by um, Special Envoy Ambassador Feldman uh, points otherwise, uh, which kind of blames TPLF for the trouble and ask them to to withdraw their forces back to Tigray, uh, not stressing the humanitarian imperative here, uh, which is the objective of the TDF um, offensives. So it is it is difficult actually to know what um, U.S. how we, how how the American actors mm-hmm. are perceiving 
this situation. And to be a bit blunt, um, you know, when we see that the, the American intelligence system, you probably have absolutely the best data material uh, in your hands, but very often the US, and possibly you have some of the best analysts station tucked away in different uh, corners of your state. Uh, but very often uh, the political level doesn't manage to convert or to utilize right. the data and analysts you do have into policies, which makes change, which makes sense and which makes positive change. We see that in a number of cases in this area of the world. Right. As you and I fear that uh, Ethiopia will be the next one out where you as trying maybe to do good are actually muddling the waters in a way that it does bad. So do you think the U.S. maintains and will keep maintaining neutrality, even though it relies on the Ethiopian government for regional stability? Well, you, you can say they, they kind of stay neutral in a way that both sides are blaming U.S. for the mess they are in, okay. <laughs> uh, which is a bit of a paradox. Um, I, think the, I think what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, the changes on the ground in Ethiopia, where, where uh, over the last weeks, the United Arab Emirates have shipped in right huge amount of armed supplies to Ethiopia, particularly drone capacity, armed drone capacity. This would probably not be possible without US approving it some way or another. Because we know that in um, the first phase of the war from November to January, from November last year to January this year, the Emirati drone capacity utilized from the Assab military base was mm. instrumental for the federal forces to gain ground and to win that first phase of the war, pushing TPLF, TDF back to the mountains. But when uh, Biden took power in January, one of the first thing they did was to put pressure on the Emiratis to close down the military base in Eritrea, hence pulling okay. back the drone capacity. Why then is US now being quiet on uh, on the new the, the building up of the new drone capacity of Ethiopia from the Emiratis, uh, footing the bill probably, but you know the drones come from Turkey, from China, from Iran, for as we know. Mm. Um, so that 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 you know seems to be then that uh, possibly Pentagon uh, or some of the more hardcore agencies you do have have said that you know. We need to be realistic here. We don't want Ethiopia to collapse. Uh, we need a, we need a government with a semblance of control, or at least a semblance of legitimacy. So we need to put our forces behind Abiy, and we need to we need to make sure that the TDF TPLF pulls back to Tigray, and uh, we can offer them some more humanitarian aid. And we offer them some other benefits, but uh, but we cannot risk uh, the collapse of Ethiopian state. Okay. That, so, that is something which might, you know, when we interpret what has happened over the last couple of weeks, I think that is the contours of a, of a possible deal behind the scene here. Uh, um, but we have to wait and see. It's, it's still an ongoing development. Uh, mm -hmm. We don't really know 
how far back the TDF troops will withdraw. They have announced a strategic withdrawal. Uh, they have also announced that they are regrouping and re-strategizing for a new kind of offensive. Uh, what that will involve, we are not sure of. We have to wait and see. Okay. Um, so to go back to, I guess, the, the war uh, on the ground, uh, do you think that it's likely to green forces will topple the Ethiopian government because they're making very uh, considerable advances in the last days and weeks? Well, as I just said, uh, the last 10 days have changed that scenario. Yes, we believed uh, two weeks ago, if we interpreted the trajectory from uh, 1st of July until uh, 15th of uh, November, the war trajectory was quite clear that the TDF forces okay. and later with OLA engagement came mm -hmm. closer and closer to Addis Ababa, both from the north, northwest and west. Okay. Um, so it was, it was a steady uh, uh, advancement with some, some periods of setbacks, some periods of consolidation, but then pushing forward again. That was quite clear. Uh, but then things changed two weeks ago, as I said uh, earlier, with the drone capacity and with right. other kind of uh, political movements. So today... It is unlikely in the near future that TDF or ULA will capture Addis Ababa. Okay. But that doesn't mean the war is over. It is just a different phase, it's just a different dynamics. And it's um it's more um it's more a sign that this will be a prolonged war. A prolonged okay. war in the sense of years. So with this overlaying of conflicts uh in Ethiopia right now. How do you think that it will affect Ethiopia's uh, steady economic growth trend that started in the early 2000s? Do you think that it puts uh, regional economic growth at risk? I think that's the understatement of the year, my friend. Um, okay. It has already wrecked havoc on the Ethiopian economy. That is that is uh, that is known. That is the numbers are there. Mm -hmm. uh, not only the fact that uh, the major donors have suspended or cancelled huge development aid packages to Ethiopia. Right. We're talking about EU, US, IMF, World Bank, and so on. Um, that uh, Ethiopia has lost uh, trade privileges with the US in particular, which amounts to billions. Okay. Um, that uh, foreign direct investments are shying away from Ethiopia and are pulling out. That the planned foreign investments to Ethiopia are cancelled because of the war, because of the instability, because of the human rights violation, because of mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. It is way too high risk factors. We see that the major uh, global uh, industrial concerns who have utilized the industry parks in Ethiopia for sheep labor are pulling mm -hmm. out their production from Ethiopia because of the instability and the political and security risks in the country. We see a skyrocketing inflation rate in Ethiopia. Um, and in addition to that, all the new arms which are purchased over the last year, billions mm -hmm. and billions of dollars, is a debt Ethiopia need to repay to these countries. Mm -hmm. So the Ethiopian economy, which was extremely promising, uh, or at least on paper promising, right. over the last 15 to 20 years, with a steady, maybe even up to two-digit growth every year, mm. has collapsed. How many years it will take to rebuild to assert the same level? I don't know. It will take years. But the 
the reputational damage, in my view, is the strongest. That the Ethiopia wished to present itself as the new Singapore or the new China of Africa, where mm. you had a, a stable economic growth, you had a proper infrastructure, and you had the world's more or less the world's cheapest labor and cheapest land. That is right. gone. That is gone. Investors now, oh, they will think not only twice or three times, but four or five times about investing in, in a country which relapsed to war and such a devastating political conflict uh, over and over again. Well, Professor Tronville, thank you very much for agreeing to join us and for giving us your perspective on this conflict. Thank you for inviting me, Josh. My pleasure. Thank you very much for listening. This has been episode five of Perspectives with guest Professor Jetil Tronville and host Josh Hillman. Please stay tuned for upcoming episodes.